And we are recording. We are live. Hey. Welcome to episode two of Building Farhi. Hello and welcome to the Farhi Media Podcast, a digital space created for the sole purpose of growth and development. I'm your host, David Farhi, <laughs> and today we'll be talking about the next steps that one must take after assuming personal responsibility in their own lives. Uh, joined today by artist and creative director at Farhi Media, Yosef Itzkowitz. Uh, he'll be leading the interview and talking a little bit about what it means uh, to go out into the world and take personal ownership and then take the steps you need to take uh, to achieve what you want in life. Welcome, Yosef. Thank you for having me, David. Absolutely. Um, let's just, we'll just jump in, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. You spoke a little bit about personal accountability and ownership in episode one. What would you, what would you say is the immediate next step for someone looking to improve their life once personal ownership is taken? Uh, I would say get out of your head and into your hands. I think that's the number one thing that people need to address. Most often, we spend our time overthinking a subject. I don't think overthinking is ever overthinking. I think it's overfeeling. And, you know, like, let's just play it out. If someone's overthinking something, what effectively they're doing is spending time rationalizing their thought process and saying, should I take this step versus this step? If you overthought it, you'd have made that decision and moved on with life. The reason why you don't actually take those next steps is because you're in your you're in your feels. I think that's what prevents people from taking the next step in life. And I think that's the number one thing that you can do. The remedy for that is getting out of your head and into your hands, get out of thought process and into action because those actions will lead you to take the next steps in the way that you need to in order to be successful. Hmm. How, how do you get out of your head? Get into your hands, start creating, start moving, start doing things, um, get on the phone, have the conversation, uh, just to share, some, share something personal. Um, I, just today I had a conversation where I wanted to revisit something um, in my romantic life and I, in my love life. And, you know, I had gone back and forth maybe a million times. Should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? Should I call her directly? Should I call someone else? Should I, you know, how should I handle this? And eventually I was just like, you know what? It's not helping. I'm just overfeeling this entire situation and trying to protect my heart. I do a far better job at just picking up the phone and calling someone on, on her side of the table and saying, hey, tell me what the deal is. I think this could be a good idea. I'd love to explore this. And they just told me like, it's not, it's not a thing. And I'm like, all right, cool. I got out of my system. I solved the whole problem in like literally a five minute phone call. Um, I could have, I saved myself so much anguish having to think it through and spend time processing how the emotions are going to play out when I could have just gotten on the phone and made that phone call. Um, oftentimes the overfeeling process of it actually causes more issues than just getting on the phone and doing it. I think it's the same thing with a friend of mine who's, you know, trying to figure out his job situation. And I think that, you know, I just told him, like, just apply. It's not hurting you. Just get on there and apply. Put the ball in someone else's court. I think that if you want to, if you want me to nail it down, the best way to get out of overthinking is to take an action that puts the ball in someone else's court. We are much better as human beings. Or it's, we find it much easier to respond to external stimuli than we do having to create it from scratch. It's just like we always talk about in the company, we talk about, you know, it's much easier to go from one to 10 than it is from zero to one. 
the human nature is that we find it much easier to respond to someone else versus having to initiate that first step. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. So I think, I think uh, in response to that, that people generally don't take action because they don't have a certain belief in themselves. So they doubt themselves. They doubt that they can even do it. So by trying to do it, they're afraid of failure. So how would you say you can set a foundation for a strong sense of self and a belief that you can execute, so you should execute? Well, I think failure is actually an emotion. <laughs> so, you know, it's again, it's over feeling. It's, it's really what I'm not, I, I, don't, I would never suggest that someone should, you know, cut off their heart as, you know, uh, the, the, the heart serves a purpose. I was reading in a book this past week um, and the line went something like this. The heart tells you what, the mind tells you how. Hmm. And so if you believe that you should be doing something, let the mind figure out how to do it and just get going with it. But once you know what you need to do, get going. I think the, I think that the, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. You mentioned foundational steps. I think that there's a critical precursor to being able to actually start moving in action from when you take personal responsibility and personal accountability to when you actually start making moves. I think that the, the foundation that you're referring to is actually picking a path. I think that's knowing the what gets you much further before you even start. Like I do, I do advocate for shooting for the hip, from the hip. I think it makes a lot of sense, um, specifically because of what we mentioned before about the reactivity. But I, I do think that knowing where you want to go overall, getting a general picture of how it's going to play out is definitely very helpful in taking the next step of where you want to go. Um, you know, just like they say, you know, it's death by a thousand cuts. I think that the, the, the flip side of that is, is a castle by a thousand bricks. Hmm. And I think that when you start building that out, as long as you know that you want to build a castle, you're fine. If you have no idea what you want to build and you just start laying bricks on top of one, one on top of the other, you're not going to get something that has, you know, a, a, a beautiful piece of art. I mean, you're an artist, you know this, you know, when you, when you try to contain it too much, you end up with something that just doesn't look the way that you want it to. You kind of need to just get started on painting, get started on the concept. And once you start seeing it play out, you start to notice, okay, this, I would make a stroke there, I'd add a color there. Um, over time, it becomes this magnificent painting that you would never have imagined had you initially started. That's how I see it. It could be that you're an artist that thinks differently, that you can concept it in your own mind before you get started. But for me, in terms of you know lifestyle design, building the life that you want to live, I think that the way to best do it is to, number one, take accountability for it. Number two, get a general sense of where you want to go. And number three, just get started. I will say there's another thing that another ingredient that goes into taking the next step before you get started, always make peace that there's going to be a process. If you can fall in love with the process, you win. I, I always say um, you know, to investors, to people, anyone that I want, I want to, to bring on to Farhi Media or in any area of my life that I think is important to me. 
I always say the same thing. You can't beat a guy who's in love with the game. You can only beat someone who's trying to win. But if they're just trying to play, those are the most frustrating people to play with. You know, you play Settlers of Catan. You know, that's one of the most competitive games you play on a Saturday afternoon. And like you're sitting down with someone else and you're playing Settlers. And the person who's there is just like, I don't care to win. I just care to play. They're frustrating mm -hmm. because you can't beat them. You can't beat someone who's in love with the process. And so another fundamental ingredient is figure out a way to become in love with the process before you start and you will succeed. No one can cut that out from you. No one can take that away from you. Um, that's another thing I would say is, 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 is critical. Right. And to fall in love with the process, it means you have to kind of have a belief that you're on the right path. Not necessarily having a belief that you're on the right path, but to fall in love with the process means that eventually you know you'll get to the right path. That you're, you're, you're making your way through a forest, you have no idea where you're supposed to go but you know that during the process, you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. You don't need to know the right, the right place from the very beginning. You don't need to know the right target from the very beginning. Oftentimes in life, you don't know the target. Like when I started in the, in the working world, as we say in the, in the you know, Jewish firm community, you know, I, I started working as a warehouse manager. That was my first real job. Um, I then transitioned and I worked in real estate, you know, in, in, in real estate brokerage. And then went from there to working in organizations. And then I worked in Kirov. And then I went from there, you know, to working to, to, to uh, back to learning. And then I thought I was going to go to law school. Um, you know, before I went to, before I went to take the LSAT, I actually, you know, I was in social work school for five days at Wurzweiler. I dropped out. I didn't think it was, it was for me. Um, I think the thing that has allowed me to sort of keep on going in life is the the idea that, again, it's a process and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to try things out and to know that this is working for you or not working for you. Um, I don't think that you have to have it all figured out. I think that's a lie, honestly. Um, you know, I was at, at, a, uh, at a very wealthy man's house for Shabbos a couple weeks ago. And I was asking him, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm 26 now and I really would love to create something of import in life. And he looked at me and he said, he mentioned Bernard Lander, the, the guy who started Turo College, Lander's College. And he said he didn't build the university until he was in his 50s. He started the college in his 50s. And that blew my mind that someone can just start a new, a new entity, a new you know, formation of, of something beautiful, you know, halfway through their life. They just created something new. And I'm getting all anxious and nervous about how this is going to look and how this is going to develop. It's okay. Slow down. Figure it out. From my perspective, I've always believed in, in constantly move, in moving quickly. Just keep moving. You know, um, I don't know if this is true, but I would imagine that a coach in a football, in a, in, in, on a football team would say to their, to their teammate, to the team members, I would imagine that a football coach would say to their team members during practice, just keep your feet moving doesn't matter if they're moving forward or side or back. Just keep them moving. Because if you can keep them moving, you know you've won. Mm. Um, I had a drawing teacher, Steve Brodner, and he used to say, when you're on break or when you're not in school, or even when you're in school, just always keep your hand moving. He's saying you don't have to draw well, but as long as your hand is always moving, you'll keep that momentum going. So when you're ready to draw, you're ready to draw.
Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense to me. I think that's actually, um, I think that's that's, I think that's truth. Mm. It makes a lot of sense to me. I think that I, I've seen it play out in in some of the members of my team. It's just like get to the failure point because that's when you learn. If you don't keep moving, you will never fail. If you never fail, you'll never move. If you never move, you're kind of dead. <laughs> you know, like it's just, you know, when they say play dead, what does the person do? <laughs> they sit there and don't move. That's that's what it is. That's how we think about death. You know, lack of movement, lack of any sort of, you know, upward trajectory or even sideways trajectory. Like you don't you're not able to do anything in life if you're just stuck there. So I think keep moving is definitely the right way to go. Um, even if it's not forward, even if you're pivoting, you'll learn things along the way. I've learned lessons. I can track back um, my life and I, I can say honestly, there are lessons that I've learned from people in my life in different industries that have completely changed the way that I look about business. I look at business today. If they've completely changed the way that I look at business today in a way that I would never learn, I would never know had I just stayed in in my lane. Um, even if I had worked for a uh, for you know for a top agency before starting Farhi Media, I don't think I would know or understand the information on this level had I not done that work. Um, yeah. What about the the there's just, I don't want to say the word danger, but there's a certain caution, cautionary signal that yeah. it says maybe like don't keep moving. Like sometimes you just need to be still. So do that. And need to breathe. Do that. But in, in the notion that you always have to be keep moving, you should always keep your hand moving or always, always, always be doing something. You never stop to to actually think about what you're doing or experience it in a deeper way. So often you can find yourself just kind of making un, unprocessed work. Whereas if you take a step back before you go in, you can be more focused and you can create the right thing quicker. And there's a concept called Yerida Letzorech Aliyah, you know, going down for the sake of going up. Sometimes people need to take a break, but as long as it's you're doing it, you know, with the knowledge that you're looking to move forward in life, you're fine. Just don't stay dormant. If you want to stop moving your hand, you want to stop moving your feet, no problem. But be clear that you're doing that in order for you to be able to move your feet faster, sharper, quicker, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, um, you can take a break in life. That's okay. You know, it's not, you don't need to be constantly moving. I think that when I first started Farhi Media, I, I had this belief system that I needed to keep on moving. I needed to keep, I still believe that. But when I first started, I was at the point, and I, don't get me wrong, I love my job. I love what I do. It's the greatest blessing in the world to feel alive every day. At the same time, when I first started the business, I was in survival mode. I, I think that when I first started, I would, be on the road and I, you know, my friends would make fun of me that like I would go on vacation with them and I'd be sitting at the, la on, I'd be sitting, I'd go on vacation with them and I'd be sitting by the pool with my laptop, AirPods in. They even made a meme about me, you know, like the David Farhi starter pack, you know, where I would go on, on, on gigs with, with, uh, with collab and like I'd be sitting there, you know, on my laptop just working and they'd say to me like, dude, like stop working already, you know, and I would say, no, I need to be moving. Ultimately, I don't think that was healthy. I think that it cost me some of my relationships, honestly. Um, I thought it was attractive for, for a girl to know that you have a business mind, that you're ambitious, 
sometimes it backfires and sometimes you you set yourself up for, for failure when you make that the, the entirety of your life. Um, I don't recommend that. You know, looking back, listen, at the time that it was, it was amazing for me. It did me what I needed it to do. It did for me what I needed it to do. Today, would I set it up that way? Would I set up a, a life for myself where it's constant moving and no ability to just take a step back and just take a, a break? I wouldn't do that to myself. Um, I think it's it's all relative to the time and, and place where a person is in life. If you're at a time and end place in life where you need to be, you know, you need to keep moving, you need to have that self-awareness to know, like, this is a time where my hand needs to constantly be drawing, even if it's garbage work. Um, and then there's times when it doesn't need to be. It's, it is relative. And I do think that, you know, there's an, a level of self-awareness that everyone needs to have. I know that it's hard for people to understand that and hear that, that, like, you need to constantly have your finger on the pulse of your own life in order to know when, what is good for you. Um, life is dynamic. It's not static. And so one answer or one size fits all as a recommendation, it doesn't really work. I do recommend people having mentors or a life coach or business coach or a therapist that's able to like say to them, Hey, you're being lazy now versus, Hey, you, you have all the right and responsibility to take a couple minutes just to take a breather and then get back into your work. Mm. Is that, is that an answer? Yeah, totally. Awesome. Can you talk more about laziness? What does it mean to be lazy? And when is someone uh, maybe more just confused? Because um, I have a lot of friends who they emit a certain laziness, but I also see brilliance in them. And therefore, it's like a weird laziness. They're lazy to do work they don't believe in sort of thing. I'm a lazy person. I think we all are lazy people. We're all lazy until we feel the kick in the tush. That's the reality of life. I thrive on my back against the wall. I do not like preparation. Don't prepare me. Put me on stage and I'll figure it out. That's how I thrive. That's how I, I roll. It, I've been in situations, in environments where the people that I was working with, it did not work for. Um, and they really struggled with it. You know, um, I think that laziness is, I think I would define laziness as Laziness is the state that you are in when you know what you need to do and there's no real reason why you're not doing it. You just can't be bothered. You know, that's what I think laziness is. You know, I, I don't know. I don't want to marry. I don't want to marry that definition. I don't think that, you know, there's a definition there. I think, I think what's more helpful for me is how do you get out of laziness? Um, I think surround yourself by people who are constantly moving and are not lazy they will hold you accountable. I think that's a better way of framing this thing. I wouldn't say, shoot, I wouldn't shoot from the hip and say laziness is X, laziness, laziness is Y. I would rather say, if you are lazy, surround yourself by people who are constantly moving, get them in, get them, make sure that they're in the right zone. You know, we, I talk about lifestyle design and one of the things that I talk about in dating with, you know, prospective, you know, matches for myself, on a date, I would say to them, hey, I want to live in New York City. And they would say, why? There's not really a Jewish community there. I'm like, there is a Jewish community there. Maybe not the one that you like, but there is one. And my response always is, I want to set my children my children up. I want to set my children up for the most successful, most possible successful life that they can have. And putting them in environments where everyone around them, you can't survive in New York City as an adult, as a family man, without being successful, without having grit, without having worked hard for what you do. And I want my children to see that. I want my children to see, even if it's not something that I necessarily admire, at least 
they're seeing that the role models and the people that their dad associates with, people that they see in, in shul and synagogue, those people are people that have worked really hard to be where they are. I want them to see that. I don't want them to see people around them that are just, you know, flowing through life. Um, I think some of the biggest lessons for myself, um, I was watching a movie on the on the plane here about a, 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 a quarterback, an MVP quarterback on the Rams. His name was Kurt Warner. And the film talks about him and his wife. And you see what he has to go through to get to where he is, you know? And it's, I was crying while watching the movie, right? And I was thinking to myself, I was like, some people have it so much harder than I can ever imagine. They've dealt with with life in a way that like his his wife, you know, was uh, was a Marine. His wife was a Marine who was married to a Marine. She, while pregnant, her husband cheated on her. They got a divorce. Her husband dropped the baby and the baby had swelling in his head and ended up blind. He never told the wife that he had dropped the baby. She then got divorced, had that kid and the second kid and was taking care of two single cho two children as a single mom. Then her mom, her parents who she was living by move out of the house and they move to somewhere else. Like a month later, there was a massive tornado and it killed both parents. And like you think, and they, they're like, they're mamash, they're straight up suffering. They have not a dollar to their name. And he goes through this process. He, he gets drafted to the NFL. Um, I forget what team it is. It's the Packers. I think it was Green Bay. Um, he gets drafted to the Packers initially. He's there on starting day, on, on the first training day. And, you know, the head coach says, you know, Kurt, you're in. And he says, I don't know the playbook. And he says, never mind, you're out. The guy's on the team for literally two days. His entire dream, he's worked his entire life to get there. And he's just done. They kicked him off the team? Kicked him off the team. In two days. He then comes back to his place. He struggles financially. He, he ends up finding a home. He's working as a, uh, you know, stocking shelves at a high V, you know, in middle America. <laughs> it's just like the concept is just crazy. I mean, you're watching this film and you're saying to yourself, this guy worked so freaking hard to get to where he, to where he is. I cannot imagine a world where I would have to work as hard to get to where he is. I, I, I admire him. And now, would I say that I would put myself in a situation where I have my children in middle America living in poverty, watching other people have to struggle through poverty? Absolutely not. That's not what I want for them. At the same time, in terms of lifestyle design, I want to put myself around people who are also striving to create things for themselves. Right? They're thinking about their next generation. They're thinking about the life that they want to live. They're thinking about the impact that they want to have. I wouldn't say that I would want to surround myself by people who have just wealth. I would say that I want to surround myself by people who have a strong sense of impact, strong sense of, of a mission to create impact in this world. That will drive me. That will make me feel like I am not living up to my full potential when I'm talking to them. It's what they talk about. It's what the things that they speak about. It's what, what's on their minds. It's what they, they think about on a daily basis. They think about legacy. You know, I definitely have friends of mine that I've I've moved away from. I'm sorry to say this on the podcast, and if you're listening to it and you think that I've left you, it's probably not you. But there are people that I've walked away from in life because I felt that as time would go on, they would not be the people that I would need to encourage me to become the best version of myself. They would hold me to a standard that I was too comfortable in. I think the antidote to laziness is really in, in lifestyle design, but also social setting design. Um, not in terms of wealth, but in terms of ambition, in terms of desire to grow. There's definitely a lack of, of 
spiritual lifestyle design in Manhattan, um, there's trade-offs, you know, and I think that you have to choose what's best for you. There's, there are definitely people who are super spiritually connected in New York City, living very connected lives. There's always a trade-off where you live. Um, I think that answers the question, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt that, that hard work is a admirable characteristic. But then, you know, you walk around New York City and you just see all these buildings. And you think, when is it just going to be enough? And they keep building and they keep building. And then there's all these other problems that comes along with this hard work, momentum, constantly be moving and going and never having time to just stop. And I don't mean like time to stop is in like 10 minutes to stop. I mean like, like the city is good. But people, they, they, their goals become, I need to make a billion dollars because I need a legacy. I need to create buildings that have my name on them. So then they get into this, this, this lifestyle that's just go, 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 go. And they think they're building a legacy, but what are they really building? And Depends on who you ask. Right, so I'm asking. I'm sure that there's some people that have an attitude towards life that is definitely, um, about fame. Their legacy is not about impact, it's about wealth. Okay, sure. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's That's what drives them. Let that let that drive them, that's fine. I would say that, in fact, the, the need to buy, to renovate, to create more, to do more, is actually a really, it's a godly, it's a godly thing to do. Um, one only builds, one only does anything of value to create more, one can only be successful creating value. That's the reality of this world. You can only do and make money creating value. It could be a value that you don't value, meaning to say you could create an art piece that only 10 people in the world love, but if those 10 people love it and want to buy it, then it's a value to those 10 people, right? The, the, the goal in life is to create something of value for the world. Now, the scale at which you can do it dictates how much money, the relevance of it dictates how big the market is, right? So for example, um, Uber for helicopters in New York City makes a lot of sense. Uber for helicopters in the middle of the Midwest makes zero sense, right? So if you are providing value, they call this product market fit to some degree, right, in startups. If you can create something of value and find the market that wants that value, you've now created an ability to make money. The reason why New York City constantly has buildings is because people keep on assuming like, hey, there's a market for what I'm, whatever I'm going to create. And therefore, I should spend the time and the money and go ahead and create that thing and then find the person that wants it and make some profit off of it. I don't think that there's a need um, just, just you know, off the bat to just have buildings with their name on it. I don't think that's what it is. Um, for some people it might be, but for me it's definitely not. So I, you know, I can't really speak to all those people, but I definitely think there's an element of it. Like, you know, some people might say Farhi Media, you know, Farhi Official, like this guy's, you know, the next Adam Newman, you know, trying to create everything and we work and we, we live and we house and we this and we that. I don't think that's what it is. I think that for me, for example, right, there's, there's something about my name that I love. I think that for a very long time, I tried to walk away from my name. You know, 
I felt like I had to fit my dad's shoes and my brother's shoes and my sibling's shoes. And, you know, there's a legacy that I was playing into. Part of me naming myself Farhi and saying, I mean, I was called that as a kid my whole life. I hated it. Eventually, I decided, you know what? I'm going to own that. So I'll call it Farhi Media. I'd be foolish not to. Um, there are things that come along with it um, as benefits. You know, having a brother that is that is world renowned and having a father that's made a tremendous impact on a on a on a widely successful community is definitely something that you want to associate with. Um, but linking my name to it wasn't an ego thing. It was very much a strategic thing and also a personal thing in saying, if I'm going to do this, let me build it as a Farhi. Let me feel confident in the idea that I don't have to shy away from being different than my family. I can be the only non-rabbi and that's fine. You know, that's all good. Um, so I definitely think there's a lot of motivations in life that people don't necessarily take into account. I don't think, I think the notion that it's all motivated by greed is not correct. Um, I do think that New York City has an element to it where there's an underlying ener energy. There's like an underlying, an un uh, you know, a silent whisper that people hear in their ear. It's a hiss. That's like, you got to build, you got to do, you got to create. You feel a certain energy shift as soon as you cross over, you know, the Hudson into New York City. It's something, it's completely different. Um, mm -hmm. I've always felt that way. I grew up in small town in Deal, New Jersey, where you had, you know, 5,000 people in the, in the winters and then 75,000 people in the summers. I always grew, I grew up thinking that I always wanted to be in a big city. You know, little boy, big city. That's what I always dreamed of. So, for me, I don't necessarily agree that New York City is about that. I don't think that cities are about that. I don't think that the, you know, the chasing of wealth is necessarily about greed. Um, I think that's a narrative that people like to play um, and say that it's evil. I don't know that that's true. You know. Okay. Sure isn't true for me. Let's put it, let's put it like that. You know. Well, that's a wrap for episode two of Building Farhi. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you to Yosef Itzkowitz, my uh, my uh, my guest for today. Thank you for tuning in. Join us on future episodes talking about building the life that you want to live. It's all about lifestyle design. Thank you so much.